everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're going to talk about some topics that are extremely relevant for you if you are missing or in danger of missing your target this year. We're going to talk about how to identify what to focus on in order to improve and then give you a roadmap of how to improve it. Enjoy. Are we recording? We are always recording. Always. So, we had a little bit of a, a friendly get-together this weekend. Oh, tell me. At home. Um, and a friend of mine, my wife also was there. And, you know, I know her a little bit. And she was like, Tony, I feel like I completely know you. You know, we've met once or twice before. She's like, I completely know you. I was like, oh. yeah. okay, cool, creepy. Tell me more, though. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, well, every day you pop, on, pop up on my LinkedIn. I listen to the revenue formula. You and this other guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who he is, though. Don't know who he is. <laughs> and then, you know, this is for no one here, but we have like, um, like a photo sharing kind of album kind of yeah, thing yeah. Uh, with the kids and everything for the family. She's part of that. And she's like, you know, she also sees that angle. It's a... Uh, I see something popping up about you yeah. every fucking day. It's kind of an achievement when you think about it to know you, because I feel like I don't know you. It's not like I'm even on your photo stream yet or anything. I'm just sitting yeah, there every day. <laughs> <laughs> Too much leverage is what yeah. it gives me. Too much leverage. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of things today that people also don't really know. Ooh, nice. We're okay, going to yeah. talk a bit about yeah. actually some research that primed this conversation we're about to have yep. by Winning by Design. It talks a bit about, you know, the solving underperformance is literally the name of the paper. It talks about how two thirds of reps aren't hitting. And I think you and I have been talking at great length also on this show while recording about all the challenges SaaS are faced with today. Yeah. And we're going to talk a bit about now what? What do you actually do? What can you do as a business to make an impact and ideally one that's within this quarter yeah that's that's usually the issue right it's like sure let's optimize next year but what what, what about this year <laughs> yeah know? yeah oh but i was building this long-term project a new website it was going to be so, so amazing by the way this is one of my favorite and i've used this myself you know um when you have a tough board thing coming up and it's h2 and you're talking about ah this year is as ah, will be difficult <laughs> then what executives usually do myself included is like you know we, we're building now we're focusing on building a really strong basis for success next year <laughs> <laughs> and then you go into next year and it's like so we're building a really strong basis for success yeah. next year well i'll tell you as long as you can race on that it doesn't really matter no i guess that's part of the the problems we've uh, we face so i think you know just to recap some of the issues and we've covered them also in in the previous episodes like i said so win rates you're going down yep it's not going up at the moment yep sales cycles they're longer you know, a lot more Q5 deals, mm. I think, at the moment. So yep. terrible, terrible scenario. ACB is probably also dipping. But the funny thing is, though, both Gartner and G2, they're seeing software spending increase. Yeah, this year. This, this year and next year. Yeah, yeah, this year. So I think G2, to be fair, is, next, is, year. is next year, but Gartner is this year. Yep. Sasta, so Jason Lemkin, did a uh, LinkedIn poll. So uh, statistical significance, blah, blah, blah. So there were like a thousand people, as when I saw it, who went in and voted. Yeah. Uh, they see that things are actually improving. Doesn't mean that now it's we are all of, out of the woods and everything, but things are slowly picking up. A smidge, I think, was the, the term, right? So it's not going the wrong way. 
No, I think he looked at the data and said, like, well, "How can I? How can I make this a positive?" Thing? <laughs> I need some positive things. Let's now. let's let's use the word smidge instead, and 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 say there's an upwards trend. Mm. No, I think I think the winning by design folks, and for people who don't know them, Jaco Funderkoy is the founder of that thing. You probably ran, uh, you know, across him on LinkedIn already. Mm. When anyone is saying bow tie, that's kind of the thing that they came out with. Yeah. You know, the 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 two sided funnel and stuff, and they had some really strong research on. What was it? The rise and the fall of of SaaS. Yeah, it was the story uh, on HBR. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So they got into Harvard Business Review with this, which is pretty impressive. Um, and I'm not sure if it's a uh, it's research. It's basically told the story. Yeah, it's a story. Yeah. Um. Hey, the early 2010s, blah blah blah. Then COVID and today, and you and I read this and we we're like, okay, cool. It's kind of gloomy. It's kind of you know not. <laughs> we are not, depressed enough at not this happy, stage. <laughs> not happy. Uh, but also it doesn't really offer any. So what are we? What are we gonna what, do? What, what should anyone do about yeah. this now, right? And then you know they actually followed this up recently with a thing that they titled. What did they title it? Solving underperformance. Solving underperformance, right? And um, there's a there's a really complicated chart that they're using. Mm. Maybe maybe Bart can cut this into the video format. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm holding up a paper to the yeah, camera. It will no totally chance they work. Can see it. Yeah, yeah. It will totally work. <laughs> Um, but they're basically talking about, you know, what used to be your 20% top performers. Yeah. And this is where it gets a little bit like weird language wise. Top performance defined by, I think, hitting quota and above. Yes, 80% quarter completion. Yeah. Uh, those are your, those used to be your 20%. Mm. Now you only have 4% four, 4% of your reps hitting quota yeah. and above. And um, and the, the this is basically being exasperated by the fact that you know, you used to have 10% bottom performance, which I don't know, hit below 50%, I guess. I'm mm. not sure what the number is. And now that suddenly became 28%, yeah. right? Then Jaco and the team are doing some complicated math to come up with like, hey, it's really about the 40%. I'm not going to go into this. But what's really actually cool about this is, um, you know, obviously they're selling some of their services here, right? But really the solution that's being teed up. Uh, which I think is is pretty cool. So we're going to go into this a little bit uh, today, actually, and actually exploring also on the left and the right hand side, hand side of those, um, you know, what that what that means maybe for other parts of the funnel mm -hmm. that you as RevOps or CRO can uh, could potentially use, or and or just you know, I guess buy <laughs> buy winning by design. I, I don't I don't know, but I think that's that's another alternative. You left out one cool fact though about Yako, which is you still have to book him for the show. So waiting oh. eagerly, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, this is all a tee up. I'm going to send him yeah. the snippet. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. going to include just buy winning by we design. We mentioned you 25 times yeah. in this episode. <laughs> no, 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 it's not good. So um, the thing is, there's so many solutions you could consider mm. in such a scenario, right? And the challenge is, and I think a lot of the listeners, myself included, have been in that scenario where a VP or whatever walks up and says, hey, we have a problem this quarter. I need you to help fix it this quarter. And you go like, well, what can I do that will close in the next, you look at the clock, 40 days, right? That's that's the challenge, really. Yeah. So if you are faced with all these problems we listed out, you need to make an impact within this quarter, how do you go about it? Yeah, so the first step is, you know, doing the analysis to even figure out what that could be. Mm. Right. And almost think about it like a tree structure where you work yourself backwards actually from revenue closed. Right. Mm. The closer something is to that number, the the shorter the time, so to speak, until that has an impact. Right. And this could this could very easily be 
bottom funnel conversion points or processing pieces. It sounds boring to kind of repeat these things, but it's, yes, it's your, it's your win rate, your conversion rate from opportunity to one. That's a very bottom funnel, right? Mm-hmm. You will create many, many opportunities tomorrow. And if you can improve their conversion rate from up to one, and let's just say you have a, a, a 90-day sales cycle, that will then deliver tangible results uh, in 90 days from now. Mm. The same goes with metrics that are around ACV and so forth. Sales cycle length, right? you shorten this. Basically, what, what happens towards the end of the year, if you're able to shorten your sales cycle in a meaningful way, and that might be 10%, right? So shaving off out of, out of a 90-day sales cycle, shaving off a week or two, I think yeah. that would be tangible already. So what could you use that for? Why is that really interesting? Well, you just gave yourself 14 more days to book opportunities that yeah. can still close this year. Yeah. And and 14 days is that's half a month, that's you know, th- you know, blah 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 of a quarter. Yeah. And uh, that that might actually be significant in terms of uplift that you need for the for the rest of the year, right? So those processing metrics are extremely interesting. Yeah. And there's lots of focus on this already there because of the AEs and blah, blah, blah. But but the bottom funnel conversion rates, that's obviously super interesting to look at. I think it's so funny. Time is often neglected. When you run all the numbers, right? We run all the math. Where should we invest? And where can we get a you know great ROI and all that stuff? Time is often neglected. And we've talked about this also as a major, major efficiency driver. If you can even ramp new hires faster, that's a massive gain. And the same side uh, as you're pointing to, if you can shorten the sales cycle... In your end, by just a week or two, that's massive. That's yeah. actually massive. And and I think already now, you should have a couple of ideas to look at, to look at your sales cycles and, and see what are there any points where we're, you know, slowing things down. Is it either on legal or is there too much space between meeting booked and meeting held? Or where are the efficiencies for you to get the ball rolling? Yeah, and and I think we're gonna go into some of those examples in a little bit actually, but it's. I think the reason why sales cycles as an efficiency metric is usually overlooked, it's it's a bit hard, it's a bit mm. intangible. Um, yeah. So on the one hand side, if you put it like I just did, like, hey, you have two weeks more to book opportunities to then close. It's like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. I can kind of see that. The other thing is then, let's just say you're able to uh, half, and you know, you get this bump once you do this in- increase, and then it's kind yeah. of the same afterwards. But uh, if you, let's just say you were to half your sales cycles, whatever that is, what that actually also means is you can now process double of the amount of opportunities with the same sales rep. Yeah. So this is really just a long-term efficiency gain because then you would need to either reduce your sales team, blah, 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 because it's not going to get you more opportunities no. just because you process them faster. No, no. Right. So so that's why it's sometimes a really difficult one to um to kind of nail down and say that's really cool. Mm. Well, those are the, the bottom funnel processing metrics. And I think depending on your sales cycle, you can go further up. You know, it could be it could be around, you know, your MQL to SQL, you know, the use conversion rates there or the time delay there and so forth. So this is really what you would need to keep in mind. As further you go up the funnel, the further away that impact will be from this, uh, you know, from a timeline, which might be end of year. And and that might be then an issue. For example, mm-hmm. really going super far out, doing some kind of a brand campaign or demand gen campaign or something like that, where you basically invest a million dollars today, it might be that you don't see any impact for the rest of the year. Yeah. If, if ever. And we don't know. Mr. Marketing. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't know. And maybe it was fantastic, but no. maybe it won't be. 
And that reminds me actually kind of, you know, Uri from, from Gong, he did a he did a massive play. So he's the he was the CMO of Gong, now yeah, he's kind of the evangelist or something evangelist like that. Officer, yeah. Um uh, but but they did a massive thing on a Super Bowl ad. Yeah. Try and attribute that, my friend. But uh, apparently it worked out. But you know, anyway, that, that would be a great conversation also. We should ask him at some point. Yeah. Just LinkedIn. So this is how further you go up, and you know, that would be an example of like a hard to identify. Mm hard to identify um, or it's like just too far out. And then the other pieces is really around really around volume, right? So now you need to think, okay, so I went through all the processing steps, cool. Some of them are too far out. Some mm. of them are really nicely and close by. And then you might need to look at your different revenue streams and check out which ones, if you were to increase volume today, which ones could still deliver by the end of the year, mm. right? And again, the brand piece might not work out for you here. There might be some bottom funnel CPC you can, you know, start increasing again. Uh, so CPC cost per click. So this is usually kind of a Google thing. You might have scaled it down in the past. You know, now leveraging, you know, Jason Lemkin's SASRA research. Mm. Maybe there's more demand. Maybe you want to add some more there. Usually inbound is in general a faster, a faster yeah. way to get to revenue. So play around with that. And so forth, right? Outbound, let's see, depends on your sales cycles. But this is how we then would analyze your revenue engine and would be like, okay, what are the, realistically speaking, what are the things that could drive some value by the end of the year, given the uh, sales cycles and the time delay that we have? Mm. Plus, well, we need to decide on it, we need to implement it, you know, and so forth, right? There's a couple of other things that need to happen before you can actually get there. Yeah. Okay, I think we also, I mean, we we talked a bit about it before hitting record, basically the way you sometimes look at your different channels. Usually you will look at things like CAC payback, payback yeah. when you unblend the funnel, right? But yeah. actually looking at time, which you're alluding to a bit here, is is also an important factor. So if Google CPC on inbound side is faster, then that's a point where you can, you know, quotation marks easily scale up compared to a lot of other elements. Yeah, and obviously our listenership and viewership is extremely smart so me saying this now is everyone's gonna be uh, duh, tony mm. um you measure cac payback in months and you know the shorter that is and so forth but that has nothing to do how quickly you will actually see revenue from this thing right yeah. this is really uh this is a time to recoup and not time to kind of make in the first place so kind of the the cac payback piece is forgetting about when you actually need to invest the money in the, you mm. know to begin with Right, and um, it usually measures from the date where that deal is being closed, or the quarter where that deal is being closed, and then takes the effort that that quarter took into account. Yeah. That is sometimes correct, sometimes it's pretty flawed, by the way. Right, so so CAC payback in that sense is actually a really bad thing to go about because it's more about the efficiency in itself, not about the time it takes to kind yeah. of get to revenue. Um, I think an, another thing to take into account here to you know maybe use or not use. Uh, marginal CAC payback. So this then really talks about the, you know, in some of your channels, you can spend a million more dollars, but you won't see any additional revenue coming out of this, mm. right? Overall, you might actually see that, well, the CAC payback still is okay, you know, after I spent this additional, you know, $1 million, but, you know, the marginal CAC payback will be terrible, right? Yeah. Because the $1 million didn't give you anything. And that really speaks to the fact of some channels simply being capped. Yeah. So unfortunately, channels that you think are being are capped already or take a take a step function to unlock, you would probably also take them away from your analysis. You mm. would be saying like, okay, this revenue stream over here, 
don't think we can do anything about this. Yeah. Um, so that then drops drops away from from your short term uh, impact analysis. I think I've I've had this conversation quite a few times where because when you look at the numbers in a sheet black and white, you instantly assume that you can preserve those outcomes, meaning for example, CAC payback when you then double the budget. Mm -hmm. But for example, on paid search, it's not necessarily the case that you have a marginal cost. It's sometimes exponential. Mm. And that is terrible <laughs> when you go and execute. So it's super important to um, to yeah. keep in mind. So now you did your big analysis. And it's so funny, I kind of the other day posted something, hey, here's another analysis you should do. <laughs> and then then I got one comment, oh, thank you, Tony. Finally, you know, this was on a Saturday. Now now I know what new analysis I can run on one day. You yeah. know? And it's like, you know, if if this is if this is what what everyone thinks is cool, then that's cool. And you know, this is certainly another analysis you maybe should be running yeah. or could be running uh, if your team is currently on the on the on the heels and trying to yeah, still yeah. hit target for the rest of the year, right? So, kind of just quickly recapping this: number one, um, you know, look at your uh, conversion or processing metrics further down in the funnel because their impact is kind of much faster. Number two. Look at different volume streams that you can still drive that should ideally be, uh, you know, end to end super short, mm. and then take everything away that um, is capped or takes too much money to unlock or, or and so forth, right? And now you're probably going to be, you know, stuck with a small handful, as yeah, people yeah, in yeah. Denmark would say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a small handful of options here to even even think about improving. Yeah, I was also reflecting that I point for some businesses here once you've run the analysis is you're going to realize that you might be allocating some resources wrongly yeah and that's also part of the opportunity maybe we put a pin in that that's that's just that's another time speed on that's another another episode entirely though so now that you have those options what, what you what are you going to do about this and this is again where we're kind of actually going back to the the paper from from winning by design here they talk about sprints mm. oh wow never heard about that before um, but it's it's pretty cool, right? Uh, I really love how they are also going into this agile direction mm. almost, right? I'm not sure if Sprint... Yeah, Sprint are is they like listening an to the show? Uh, well, you know, let's see about that. <laughs> um, no, so um, it, that's, that's, that's actually what they're talking about in the paper and talking about like very specific, hey, you should do this 60 to 90 day sprint yeah. in order to improve this one thing, right? Mm. And... Um, I think we have, wait, I wanted, do we have kind of a printed of this sprint thing themselves? No, no. Right? you didn't do that. No. You know, one Episode time, over. One time. <laughs> I, I would love one time to actually work with a professional here. <sighs> but um, so, <laughs> so they, they talk about uh, basically kind of taking two weeks time just to analyze, mm. right? So once you have identified what it is you want to improve, spend a week or two on actually analyzing what, what, is happening in this step, mm. what could be done better, what should be done better. Yeah. Then they spent, um, I think, six weeks on uh, fixing the problem, right? So let's just say you have a discovery problem in your sales process or something like that. They spent six weeks on training the AEs and getting better on the discovery side, right? And then uh, now you're down eight weeks. Really the rest of the time uh, they're spending then on follow up and follow through, right? Yeah. So this is, we're talking human beings here. So you you coach human beings, you teach them something um, and it's not going to stick the first time. It's going to stick over time. So that's why uh, you'll need to follow up on these things, mm. right? What is really, really powerful is you focus your sprint on one area 
uh, you improve that area in a tangible way. And then basically, yes, you have um, your compound impact kind of hitting in, coming in, uh, and then over time, right? Over mm -hmm. time, you will kind of reap the same benefits and you can actually move on to another part of the process somewhere. And if those two pieces of improvement are in the same stream, so to speak, uh, they will compound each other, right? Yeah. So this is extremely powerful. If you're, if you're able to find that 10% improvement in the same line, so to speak, those 10% will kind of, uh, you know, add each other up really nicely. So, and you know, examples that they have, help customers overcome indecision, right? Yeah. Every every VP is going to be like, oh shit, I have that problem. That's that's VP language. Yeah. Um, uh, what it what it means for revenue architect language, kind of in in our world. Well, you shorten sales cycles and you increase the win rate. Yeah. Right. So they basically kind of covered or created those um, those sprints around very human language issues. Mm. Or you know, you need to better with discovery, whatever. Yeah. And then they say, well, there's an there's an impact metric that this is then driving, other than measuring success of that, right? And that impact metric usually is tied back to either volume yeah, or yeah. a processing In the metric. Time. I mean they have stuff like uncover impact uh, and you know whatever. And this is maybe for the disco. So this is lead to opportunity and win rate. Get sellers building pipeline more, increase, you know, number of opportunities per rep and pipeline. You know, they surely have something around CS, they surely have something around other areas. Mm. So wherever a human being is interacting with the with a process, you know, those folks would come in and have like an idea how to coach them and you know improve them over time, right? Mm. So that's cool. And um, and I think this is a really cool um, tip also for everyone listening here to sell this stuff internally. Instead of talking nerd language like Mikkel and Tony here. <laughs> Saying, oh, you know, we're gonna shorten sales cycles by ten percent and increase the win rate by you know point four seven yeah, eight yeah. eight nine percent. Uh, you just say, hey, we we need to help our sellers to help customers overcome indecision better. Mm -hmm. Everyone, every every CFO is gonna be yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to buy that you know, now. I, I walked I walked uh, over the sales floor the other day, and I think that's what I heard. That's so a I lot think, of I think that's indecision. <laughs> <there. laughs> we need to help them with that, right? Yeah, and I think that you know decoupling of uh, the impact metric and the actual issue at hand, I think yeah. that's pretty powerful. We didn't do that work. We we went into a couple of other examples, um, you know, from our side. And some of that stuff is, um, I think we kind of mentioned on this, uh, on, the, on the show before. But, you know, one thing could be that your, uh, you know, uh, MQL to SQL conversion is low. Yeah. Boring. But let's just say that's what it is. Uh, it could be a conversion rate thing, could be a time delay thing. You know, either of those would actually be impacting mm. uh, your revenue in this sense and would also have an impact uh, probably sooner rather than later. And uh, so step number one, you would analyze. We're like, ah, okay, what's going wrong here? You would uh, obviously dig into the systems as every good RevOps person would do first. <laughs> you would probably have a conversation with some of the reps. Uh, you would talk to marketing uh, you would talk maybe to the VPs and and what's going to end up happening, especially in this MQL to SQL thing is both sides will just blame each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, those MQLs are shit and those sales reps are shit, right? And, uh, you know, this is your analyze stage. Uh, the next step then for you could be, okay, what is it actually that we could implement to fix things here? Mm. And this one is a, is a twisted one, but basically you would actually say, okay, let's implement a sales accepted lead stage which is across the board used in order to be a better judge between those two things, right? There's usually a very clear uh, definition of what enters an SAL stage, right? So that's 
that's then clearly to find that actually the MQLs that are being passed on to that stage are actually solid. Mm. Yeah? And then taking the SALs from down to SQL then gives a better understanding what are the reps actually doing right or wrong in order yeah. kind of to take those, right? And if the reps are saying, well, these SALs are shit, okay, good, then have a conversation about, you know, changing the definition and stuff. But you have clarity on either side of these issues now, right? Which will make then the next step, you know, potentially when you uh, then try and figure out what to actually improve much easier, which then hopefully improves your conversion rate. Right? Yeah. So that's that's one of these examples. And um, the, what I do like about the sprint framework and setup is really the, it's focused around those 60 or 90 days, mm. right? Which kind of fits also into the RevOps world in a sense, yeah. where you have time to analyze and pick things apart and then have time to come up with a fix and implement it actually at the same time, right? Yeah. And kind of creating that kind of world, I think that's that's extremely extremely close to our heart as well. And I think it's extremely close to how people are running their revenue engines. I think also you said something funny. It's like the boring problem. Mm -hmm. And there's also going to be the boring solutions. But I think it's super important to disassociate that as mm -hmm. part of the whole analysis and what you choose to actually implement. At mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's about the impact you need to make. And that's not boring at all. No, and, exactly. And I think the most impactful things I've seen being done, they were boring things. Honestly, they were. They were simple. It was not this massive project where like, yeah, I really want to go on stage and present this to the entire company. No, no, you don't want to do that because then people are going to go like, wait, we didn't have a scheduling tool before? <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's no, that's true. But it's also, and I think this is something where RevOps should actually start moving towards and, you know, I'm, I'm keep saying the same thing in this, but it's really, you know, use all the arsenal of, of tools that you have, use them to move something like this here. Yeah. Um, that, that's really, that's really the, the, the key point for driving efficiencies and so forth, kind of use it to do something like this and articulate it then to the person needing to make a decision for you to spend time on this mm. in a better way, right? Which apparently the winning by design folks, you know, did much better here. <laughs> um, but I did want to kind of do another example here as well. So let's just say, and this is really a way for you to, you know, scan your engine, you know, find, find trouble quickly or replicate success, mm. right? It's always those two things. And, and especially on the replicating success side. So one of the Typical issues is outbound is working better in one region than another, yeah. or something is going better here than it's going over there. Take two weeks, do a discovery, mm. analyze, figure out what's wrong. Sure, use use tools, yeah. use data, but also talk to the fucking people involved. Yeah. Try and figure out what's going right and wrong, and then try and you know replicate that success. Yeah. The one way that I've seen this done extremely you know well. And this wasn't revenue operations solving it necessarily, but RevOps found that there was an issue and then actually proposed a solution, which was to send the respective leaders of those inside sales teams just, you know, across yeah. Yeah, yeah, for three see. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for three weeks. And and I think they did it in sequence. So they're basically kind of uh, then together almost like a month or longer than a month. But at first, the sales, uh, the inside sales leaders were kind of shattering what the the better team, quote unquote, was doing uh, what it was doing differently, and then basically kind of replicated the same thing on the other side. Mm. And what happened then was a lot of things were seen as like, oh, cool, yeah, let's totally do that. Instead of this, hey, let let the U.S. folks tell the uh, Europeans how things are being done. <laughs> and it was funny enough, was the other way around. It was actually yeah. the Europeans going to the U.S. and you know teaching them yeah, a little yeah, bit, yeah. you know, how how this could be improved. 
but it really became a picking and choosing of things that uh, they wanted to implement and see their yeah. you know metrics came afterwards right again that's like a 60 to 90 day time frame right yeah. you analyze what's the, what's the freaking problem then you figure out okay it's it's this year and there are like 20 things they're doing differently how do we change management that in the best way? Instead of trying to copy paste this over, mm. you basically kind of create a you know a melting of the minds kind of situation between those two um, you know inside sales leaders. Yeah, I think it will also be more impactful when it's coming from a peer versus a revenue operations person, right? They will speak exactly the same language and have mm -hmm. exactly the same trail of thought. Yeah. Um, and the other reflection I had is when you do the when you're in the analysis stage, don't just hop on a call. Yeah, and do that and then be done with it in a couple of days. I was literally thinking, no, no, you fly there, you spend a lot of time, you hop on sales calls if that's where there's something to learn from and actually spend the time with the people uh, yeah. to really unearth what is going on. And everyone here on the call is going to be like, well, my boss is never going to allow this and blah. And, um, and that might be true. Um, and there's, you know, uh, there are kind of some ways to fix that. We're probably not going to cover this right now. Uh, one story I just wanted to tell from Salesforce. So I talked to some of the RevOps guys at Salesforce mm -hmm. and asked them about how they're running the operating cadence and so forth. And one really cool thing was they have those uh, monthly and quarterly business reviews, yada, yada, everyone has that. And then they have a sales programs team, I think that's what they were called. And basically every learning, everything that came out of those business reviews wasn't put on top of the pile of things to do <laughs> that revenue operations had already. It was actually handed to a very specific team that, you know, focused on generate, you know, taking those insights mm. and those action points that were that were created out of those uh, review sessions and then running them through the organizations. Mm. Um, so this kind of approach, you know, it's not just winning by design coming up with this, not just us, uh, you know, having that idea. It's actually, you know, teams like Salesforce implementing this. I think the difficulty will be for some, some of the ones listening here that are on the RevOps side, you know, find the time to do it. And I think the way you need to convince your decision makers is really to put it into human language that they understand and can yeah. connect back. Um, and if they're, you know, for the CROs listening, maybe maybe give your RevOps this episode and say like, you know what, you know, figure out what you want to do. I'll, I'll give you time for that. End of life ticket. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Okay, but uh, I kind of like how we ended up actually having some very practical stuff you can now go and execute. Uh, you know, you said it before we hit record. This is something you could have done before we had all these challenges. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. Keep it, keep it in you know in the drawer. Use it going forward. Uh, this is not just a one-off. Hey, now we have a challenge. As with anything, RevOps, there has to be a process. And this could be a part of that. That's it. Thank you, Mikkel. Thank you, Tony. Everyone, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.